Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of Three Degrees of She. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today is a special, special day for me. I'm interviewing my favorite person in the world, my mother, Barbara A. Johnson. And the topic for today's episode is raising an only child. So before we get started, I'm going to read a bio to you from my mom, which is pretty hysterical to me because I know basically all of this information. However, I just want to let you know a little bit more about the woman who has done everything for me and continues to make me marvel at all the things that she does. So here is a brief bio on Barbara A. Carrington Johnson, and this was written by Barbara A. Carrington Johnson. I am a mother, sister, aunt, godparent, and of course, I was a daughter. I was raised in a two-parent household. My parents were married for more than 55 years. I grew up in the 50s and 60s and worked as a teenager. I was educated in the New York City public school system. I have always attended church weekly as a child with my mother, and it is from my teenage years working with the church, Sunday school, and vacation Bible school that that was when I decided that I wanted to become a teacher. Professionally, I consider myself a lifelong educator in addition to being a mentor and a leader. I met my former husband when I was a teenager and married five years later after completing my first full year of teaching. We had my daughter during our fifth year of marriage and separated when my daughter was almost three years of age and thus my road to raising an only child began. My responsibility as a parent continues because she will always be my child and I will always be her parent and now that she is an adult, I am also her friend. I received my bachelor's degree in elementary education from a private university in New Jersey and went on to receive a master's of science degree in elementary education and a professional degree in administration and supervision from a city university institute of higher learning. I taught grade one students for 25 years and then continued my career by becoming an assistant principal and retired after 31 years with the New York City Department of Education as an elementary school principal. After retirement, I joined boards and remained active in my church, participating in church governance, being elected to church council, as well as being elected to the executive board. I am presently a member of a social services board and have served as president, vice president, and secretary on the board of directors where I reside. I have also had the privilege of writing a strategic plan and chairing a committee that focuses on service, partnerships, and advocacy. I would like to introduce to all of you my amazing mother, Barbara A. Carrington Johnson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. So the first question that I wanted to start with was, what is your service to the world? I would consider my service to the world one of being a teacher of little children Mm -hmm. for so long, giving them a good foundation, helping them to 
go from being the little people they are mm -hmm. with a lot of fears and anxiety into becoming confident seven-year-olds that know how to read and write and wait their turn and are considerate to others. Um, that's a big part of my contribution to the world, but I carry that with me, learning and helping people to understand that you're not in the world by yourself and that everything you do impacts someone else. And that when you are here, it's not about yourself, but it's about how you contribute to the lives of others. Mm -hmm. I, re I remember um, as a child, one of the things that you said to me that you and I always joke around that you don't remember um, is that I said, you said to me, um, act as if I'm standing next to you and you'll always act correctly. And that was something that I always um, kept with me. Um, just so everyone knows who is having the pleasure of listening to this podcast, you'll likely notice that it sounds like the same person is speaking. My mother and I pretty much sound like the same person. So just so you know, um, there's also other questions that I'm going to ask her. So I also wanted to know, do you consider yourself spiritual or do you consider yourself religious? That's a difficult question, only in the sense that I don't know that it's an either or. Mm. I consider myself religious, not a fanatically religious person, okay. but religious because I was brought up in the church. And it's so important to have that as a foundation to know that there's a greater being. Spiritually, that there's so many things that happen and you're going, hmm, that must be God. Mm -hmm. And my spirit tells me, again, going back to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Amen. That um, it's important to have a spirit of hope, a spirit of compassion, mm. a spirit of confidence, but not a spirit of arrogance. Right. To know that I can, when I feel I'm in need, that that religious foundation is a place that I can go to, um, that I could be in prayer, that I could open a Bible. So I think that um, spiritually, a lot of people say that, oh, you always seem so calm. Don't you ever get angry? That's very true, though. We and, do know that you are very calm. <laughs> and I, I do get angry, but I always try to think of it as the spirit. Now, the person who's reacting to me in that way it's really not about me. It's something that's going on with them because I so often try not to do things that offend people, that are cruel to people. And so when that happens, rather than shout mm -hmm. or scream, spiritually I know I need to be calm because whatever's going on with that other person, them either lashing out or choosing to speak to me about it is their need 
to express themselves. And if I can help in some way, sometime by being silent and just looking at the person and smiling, which works oddly enough, if someone is angry or boisterous, can you just look at them and smile? The other thing that I do, which I think it's my spirit, that I've had times when I would say, okay, and I just walk away from the person. I'm not one who likes to argue, mm-hmm. and I don't have to be right. Exactly. So my spirit tells me it's not important right now. And at mm-hmm. some point, very often that person will come back and mm-hmm. say, um, you know, I really didn't mean that towards you. I right. Said, I figured that because I hadn't done anything to you (laughs) or I just got here. So it couldn't be me, whatever is going on. Mm -hmm. I used to say that to the teachers um, in school, that when a child came in in the morning, if they were what you might consider rambunctious Mm -hmm. and disorderly, when they stepped in that building in the morning, they had already been up for hours interacting with their family. So it's almost a cry for, I need you to see me, I need you to hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, my spirit longs for someone who will have compassion and a listening ear. So I don't consider it either or. Mm-hmm. I think that they're a combination. Um, very often people who say they're religious, they may spend all their time reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't do that. I do read scripture, mm-hmm. but I don't quote scripture to people right mm-hmm. I think that you quote people you quote scripture by the way you behave and carry Amen. yourself and mm-hmm. treat other people so I guess it's a long answer that it's there <laughs> isn't an, an or it's an and, and as okay. far, far as I'm concerned okay and do you have a saucy side and if so, if you feel comfortable sharing that, you can share that with me or with us, the listeners. Well, the saucy side, I would say that I have um, a pretty good sense of humor and a yes. great sense of sarcasm. <laughs> and very often, people would not expect me to say a certain thing that, because a lot of people think that I carry myself. Uh, in in such a manner that I couldn't laugh at something or I couldn't have a good time. And yet I love to have a good time, but I am sarcastic. And very often if someone uh, does something, I might use sarcasm to diffuse it. Now, I'm not saying they always hear me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or that I'm exactly speaking to them. Mm-hmm. But it works for me, right? <laughs> because I can very sarcastically say something that helps me get through the moment. Or if that person is doing a lot of talking and I respond to them in a sarcastic way, they won't realize until minutes later. That <laughs> It'll sort of sarcasm that just sneaks up on them. That's right. Got it. That that, I that's was, who I got um, it from, ladies and gentlemen. Just, yep. Whatever. <laughs> So I I think that's the sassy side. Um, I can very politely put people in their pet place. 
true. Without using one stitch of profanity that wasn't allowed in my house. Don't do that. Yes, she does not do that, ladies. She does not do that. And so that that's the sassy side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, as you know, the the topic of our um episode today is raising an only child. So what is the best advice that you would give to someone who is raising an only child? First of all, you you have to let the child be a child. Mm. You have to find ways that you don't make the child your partner. Wow. That you have to find ways that you can involve the child in activities Mm -hmm. where there are other children of that child's age. Mm-hmm. Critical that you make child make time for yourself mm-hmm. and that your child is aware that you're entitled to time for yourself. And the child needs time from themselves too. And so there's the balance of helping them to realize that they are of critical importance to you you're your only child, my, you know, you're my pride and joy. And yet, not to give the child a swell head that they think they're the universe's <laughs> only child. Yes. And pride and joy. Yes, because that can be a very, some people that I know can say that that can be a very gray area. And there's been some people that I've met that didn't realize that I was only only child. Um, obviously, I I call myself an only child because you're the person that gave birth to me and you and I have always been together and you had no other children but of course I have a half sister who's 32 years old but she also was raised as an only child because of my father's second marriage so I always identify as such but it is a very gray line because there are people that sometimes will say to me, I didn't know that you were an only child. And I oftentimes say that is the compliment that I give to my mother because most of the time only children have this stigma of you are selfish, you think the world revolves around you, a partridge in a pear tree. When I know that I was taught if you have $2 in your pocket, if you see somebody in need, you giving them a dollar fifty, and you'll figure out what you're gonna do with your little fifty cents. So that that was something that I've always taken taken a huge amount of pride in, and was always happy about that you did know how to balance the two. Understood, and it's not easy because if it because you're the only child and and that precious being you know at some point you're preparing that child to be an independent adult and so although you hold on to them you have to remember not to strangle Mm. you have to give opportunities to the child Um, you never wanted to go to camp (laughs) Did this is not, true. Did not want to go to sleepaway camp. Right? Went under duress. Was, was not, not happy. Thrilled about <laughs> day camp. Was not thrilled about camp at all. Had no How, had no need. Didn't want to be outside. Wasn't interested. That was me. However, I was the adult, and praise you God, were the child, mm-hmm. and therefore you had to have that opportunity to be with other children. 
who were your age and because I was a teacher and I was on vacation. Say it with me. Vacation. vacation. <laughs> I had to have time to myself. Mm-hmm. And that was really to wind down because I I was a very dedicated teacher and it was 24 hours mm-hmm. a day. And so I was very fortunate that the times that I was off from school, you were off from school, mm-hmm. gave us the opportunity to do things together and perhaps um, able to do some things that other children that were in your class weren't able to do because mm-hmm. their parents were working, they weren't teachers, mm-hmm. but still giving you exposure to things, um, whether it would be with the Girl Scouts or something in Sunday school. Um, but having that opportunity so you'd have experiences mm-hmm. that you would have had with a sibling had you had one that grew up in the house with you. However, you still had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a very difficult job to have the balance. And as I said, you can't make the child your partner mm-hmm. in the sense that your spouse would be your partner, mm-hmm. but they are sometime your partner in crime. True, and true. the closeness that develops where very often you don't have to speak, <laughs> you only have to look. I'm laughing because there's been many times, a couple of those times were today during some incidents that happened, that my mother and I did not need to say a word. We just gave each other a look because that's what we do. Right. And so it's an education in um, expressions, mm-hmm. very often silent expressions, <laughs> because there's sometimes when you can't speak. That's right. You can't speak out loud, but you speak with expressions or with your eyes or with a smile. And that combination of knowing what that particular smile means mm-hmm. as opposed to the other smile mm-hmm. is something that develops over time because mother and child and then mother and friend mm-hmm. and it takes a lifetime and as I said you never stop being a mother mm-hmm. never ever and I think there's also that respect that you have to teach your child. And mm-hmm. I know that you have um, respect for me, not only because of the things I've done professionally, but because of how I was able to raise you mm-hmm. and you're able to exist and be proud and flourish. And so it's just been um, a great journey, but not mm-hmm. always an easy one mm-hmm. and certainly not one that I plan. Right, exactly. And and do you have do you have any advice for a single parent whether they are male or female on what to do if they then end up finding love or deciding that they want to be in a relationship with someone and they also have a child because as you know even though you did not get remarried after your divorce from daddy you still had relationships after that time and do you have any advice on that when to introduce the child to the significant other if that should even happen etc well I think that that's certainly something that you don't do 
initially and you don't do until such time that this person is important enough to you mm -hmm. to make them known to your child and it's very important that your child does not feel that they're being replaced mm. because again you don't want your child to think they're your partner mm -hmm. but very often because it's just the two of you so a third person come in where does that person belong right. am i being pushed out so i would think that it's important for the parent to be very sure that this is someone who's important enough, not just a passing person, not someone you had one or two dates with, but mm -hmm. someone you do want to have a relationship with. And of course, you've said to this person, I have a child. I don't think that when you, um, you can go out on a date with the person, but your child doesn't need to be there. Mm. You don't need to mm -hmm. meet them. And that, that takes a while. Um, so you would never have the first date be a date where it's the two of you and a child because I've heard of people Absolutely doing that not. and I think it's completely insane. Absolutely <laughs> not. First of all, if you're going to have a relationship with the other adult, it's going to be you and the adult first mm -hmm. and then the child. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do want to at a point down the road, and I think it really depends on who it is, where you met the person, mm -hmm. Did you know the person before you started dating? Mm -hmm. um, because knowing someone is, in a sense, a misnomer. Mm -hmm. Because do you ever really know someone? We're still trying to know ourselves. Hello. And so when you say that you're going to introduce your child, I would say that it really, not before six months. Wow, okay. Because... One, there are a lot of strange folks Hello. out, and it Oof. takes you a while, mm -hmm. and you are responsible for your child's safety, mm -hmm. and that's not only their physical safety, but their mental safety, and so you can't have, um, you know, someone coming in, someone going out, mm -hmm. um, child becoming attached to this person, mm -hmm. child looking for this person to replace the other parent who might not be in the home. Um, I would imagine that it's very different with a male child mm -hmm. uh, to have a male come along. And that person may be someone who does things with the child if that child's father doesn't get there often enough and then does things with the male child and then become very attached. And then if your relationship dissolves, that shatters the child. Yes. This is another person you know, another male who's not in, in their life. Mm -hmm. I mean, you also can have that go on um, if there's parents who were the same gender mm -hmm. and the same thing. You you have to be very uh, careful of what you do and expose your child to because emotions are fragile. And be aware as your own emotions would be fragile if something you thought was going somewhere and eight months down the line, mm. it doesn't. And then it's, oh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Start all over. And you don't want that now to come off as something your child has to deal with. Mm -hmm. Now, the mommy I had, who was my backbone, mm -hmm. my strength, now seems like they're falling apart. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's very difficult. And um, 
but you you'd have to be careful i was fortunate in the sense that it was someone that i knew mm-hmm. and someone that you knew mm-hmm. and but even then i was very cautious mm-hmm. the other thing as a parent um you're responsible as i said for your child's safety you don't bring people around your child that's right and and you don't certainly that never happened you would never leave your child with someone um, because your child is looking for affection or is looking for to be able to please their parent mm-hmm. that they like this person right. because they figured out their mom likes, likes this, this person. person right and mm-hmm. they might not or you have a child who's very rebellious that you like that person and they don't like them yeah they can't tell you why mm-hmm. and and you very often will probably need to um go with that child's instincts yes you know and you can't have a relationship i'm not saying that you should just you know wallow in not having relationships but if your child if it's an only child and that child is just not seeing eye to eye you you have to work that very gently and it has to be something that goes on for a while Mm -hmm. before it can be something that you say well okay it's mm-hmm. going to be so I still go to like six months don't need to meet them wow and if you had the opportunity to say anything to your younger self whether it was about life whether it was about marriage whether it was about raising a child an only child what would you now as a proud 70 year old woman say to your younger self I probably would have said to my younger self to perhaps not be so serious Mm. always. I was a very um, sort of studious, but that came out of curiosity. Um, My younger years were spent reading as my present years are spent (laughs) reading. As you look around and there's just magazines books newspapers yes. and now thank goodness for audible because at least it doesn't add yes. anything to my pile of yes. things to read but reading and a glass of wine yes, and potato chips that, yes that was sort of an addiction of mine as a kid just reading and like people would be doing other things and if i had something to read i could shut everyone out and so I wasn't really that social. My sister was very social, and since she was my best friend, Mm -hmm. I used to go along with her, but wasn't thrilled Mm -hmm. that I was there. (laughs) So I probably, you know, would have had a a little more fun. I think in terms of my marriage, um, if I know knew then what I knew now, I probably would have fought a little harder Mm -hmm. to save my marriage Mm -hmm. because. It's something, initially, it wasn't any work for it to work. Right. But, and so as it was falling apart, I could have worked harder. Mm -hmm. Um, I could have made suggestions, maybe counseling. And, um, but it was a matter of, um, at that point, I thought self-preservation. Preservation. Yes. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And, um. (laughs) going like okay well it's me and I'm going to go back to work mm-hmm. and I'm going to take care of my daughter and I'm going to give her the life 
we had dreamed up together, mm -hmm. but I'm going to make sure that it still happens. Mm -hmm. So I think I would have just um, maybe lived a little more. Mm -hmm. um, I used to go out now and then, but I, after I was divorced and then I raised my daughter, raised you, and mm -hmm. went on to, I spent a lot of time becoming educated, mm -hmm. going to school, um, beside college, you know, taking courses and and probably just have enjoyed. But now I look back and I said, well, all of that was not in vain. Mm -hmm. I was able after I retired, but I did it before too, to travel, mm -hmm. to meet people and um, to be responsible for things and for people to look at me as a leader. I, I became an assistant principal and a principal on other people's recommendations because they saw me in the classroom. Although I had gotten the degrees, I was very happy teaching. And so that was fine. But I used to mentor teachers mm -hmm. and, and that things. And so I would have just probably been a little more rambunctious rambunctious mm -hmm. excuse me yes. but but not a lot not because that really wasn't allowed in my household no growing up as a child no not with no. grandma and grandpa so i was quiet and reserved mm -hmm. and um, and reading yes a lot and of reading. reading just reading and that was people say like how do you know that you know that you always say that uh, we were looking at some geese today, and I said, oh, I think you called them a... And you says, yes, you would know that. Yes, you and would you know, know that. that. So that's... Um, but I enjoy doing those things. Mm -hmm. I enjoy obtaining knowledge, and mm -hmm. that is... Um, I don't know how I could do it rambunctiously, but... but that's that's me. Y yes, that is... That's, that's so me. her. That's yeah. so her, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, so her. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you for taking that opportunity to be on the first episode of Three Degrees of She. This was the Raising an Only Child podcast episode. Um, again, my mother's name is Barbara A. Carrington Johnson. And I want to thank you for being on this broadcast. Well, you're very welcome. It was a lot of fun talking about myself. <laughs> And there goes the sarcasm, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So um, I just want to give you a little bit more background. So if anyone is interested in asking my mom any additional questions about raising an only child, or if you have questions for me, what it felt like being raised by a single parent, um, you can definitely contact me and I will put you in touch with my mom. And of course you can um, contact me directly. You can send me an email at three degrees of she, which is spelled T H R E E D E G R E E S O F S H E at gmail.com. You also can contact me through Instagram at three degrees of she, or you can contact me through Twitter at degrees she. So I thank all of you for listening to this first episode and we look forward to having you listen to episode two. God bless and thank you.